Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. 105.9 FM and AM 630 WMAL. This is Plan for Life Now with your hosts, Dave Murray and Steve Kiliani. Good morning, everybody. Oh, oh boy. Clear that frog. <laughs> this is not good. You're three seconds into the show and you're already losing your voice. That's scary. <clears throat> it's probably just the emotion. I hardly slept last night with the emotion with everything going on today. As you know, today is, oh my gosh. I mean, I don't think I need to tell you. You're looking quizzical as if you don't know what today is. Hmm. I mean, I hardly slept last night waiting for it. Yeah. it to me, it's the second oh, biggest yeah. thing in sports next to the Super Bowl. Which is what? The Daytona 500? No. It's the Indianapolis 500. The Indy 500, okay. That's today, but it's not just <laughs> any old Indy, Indy 500. Okay. It's the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. All right, let's peel back the evolution of sports and where they stand now in the country. And I know open wheel racing 50 years ago was very popular. It must have been. Very I've exciting. never heard the phrase open wheel racing ever. <laughs> You're the, this is the first time in my life I've heard open wheel. What does that mean, Steve? It's not Where did you, did you make that up? No, come on. I'm a sports fan. I'm not a car racing fan. Oh, you mean fan. open wheel like the wheels are spoked out a little bit? Is yeah, that what they mean by that? that's what we mean. I mean, that's the, <laughs> the Formula who, One. You and the, Roger Penske? Who, who? I, no, I, I meant they, they, they. I don't mean that. I don't really care. I don't like car racing. I don't care for it. You're not impressed but, that I pulled out Roger Penske? Reference? No, you've pulled that out before. No. Uh. <laughs> um, but, but what I was going to say is, I think 50 years ago, the Indy 500 had a lot more prestige and excitement around it than nowadays. I mean, nowadays, NASCAR is a much bigger deal. Well, my excitement about the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 was completely basked in sarcasm. Yes. I, I knew but, something was basked in sarcasm. But when I sarcasm. saw that it was today... I actually realized something that was interesting along the lines of what you're talking about. I, As you know, I'm a pretty big sports fan, and you have three young children, but I don't, so I have time to watch sports. Mm -hmm. In my life, as a big sports fan who enjoys watching big events, this is the only big sporting event I've never seen ever in my life from beginning to end. Oh, beginning to end? Okay, I even half of say I even thought you were going to say maybe half Have an I hour. seen the end of ones? Sure. sure yeah. I've, watched, I've tuned in. And I said, oh, this is the Indy 500, and you know, there's a few laps left. Yeah. Right. Have I ever watched half of this event? It's a, one of the big, technically one of the biggest American sporting events, and it is in the fringe category like the Kentucky Derby, granted. Mm -hmm. But still, the Kentucky Derby, I've seen many because it's three minutes wow. long or two yeah, minutes long. I was going to say, most exciting two minutes in sports. But anyway, so the reason most American, oh, God, some of you, no emails. No emails, by the way, when I start saying this, because men now we'll get the, a few emails. You don't understand Formula One racing. Fine. <laughs> but for most people, watching cars go around a track for hours, hours, oh, um. 
I mean, it's it's not not my cup of tea, but I'm not going to slander it and say it's not for anybody. I'm not going to slander and say it's not for anybody. I'm going to say it's for very few people who are really into auto racing, and then you can see the nuances. Here's another one of my friends. One of my friends actually is into a sport that I also would never watch, but like I've watched it with him, and that, and he explained to me some of the nuances, and I could see why it would be interesting Mm -hmm. to a lot of people, and that's the Tour de France. Okay. Because biking, to me, I don't get it, but then he started, I was watching with him, he said, well, this and that, he explained stuff, and by the time I was, an hour gone by, I sort of understood, right? like, you know, but, and even golf, which a lot of people don't like to watch, but I do, I get why people don't want to watch it, there are nuances, as you know, that make it interesting, but this one, I just don't get. Where are we going with this? You're going to see in a second. (laughs) So far, nowhere, after four minutes. The audience is very confused. The audience doesn't care. So the... (laughs) What's going to me, the reason it's going nowhere is because just going around in circles. Where my segue is coming in, a lot of people in their financial planning are going around in circles and getting nowhere. And I think that all starts with the, the short term feeling, philosophy, emotional and tangible, the short term of financial planning and investing. You're always getting up going in circles and getting nowhere. Yeah. And I mean, that's. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it we'd have to do much more than just an analysis on the Indy 500 or car racing. We'd have to do an analysis on our culture and society in general, just the way that we approach things, the the way that we want a quick, easy fix for everything, and our busy lives, that kind of leads to putting your finances, your investments, your retirement plan you know it's important, but it just gets stuck in a drawer or stuck on autopilot or whatever. And we'll be honest. If you're 30 years old and you put together a decent plan, that's fine. You probably do want to just keep it on autopilot and ignore it. But then as you make that transition where you're in your 50s, your 60s, and this whole retirement thing isn't just way out there, this finish line that's 500 miles away – the retirement thing is coming up. You can actually see that happening. That's really where we think it's critical that you can't just sit there making left-hand turns all day long. You've got to figure out, how do I plan for this? How do I get a little bit more advanced than just going around in circles all the time? Yeah, because going around in circles, when you get close to retirement, you're going to be sub- <laughs> you're just going to be basically subject to two things that are going to mess up your retirement plan. Fear. Mm-hmm. overly fearful and the opposite of that too much uh, overconfidence right and bravado about something that requires a lot of humility sure. which is the stock market yeah and i mean we've you know we've all seen these studies that look at how often people make changes in their portfolio and how devastating that is to their long-term returns and i think this year is a a great example right because what are we hearing from a lot of people out there saying, wow, there is a lot of uncertainty because of the election cycle. And I honestly was tending to agree with this. I was saying, you know what? Yeah, I think there is a lot of uncertainty from the election cycle. And then our friend, I'm going to weave in here, our good friend, Barry. Wait a second. I hear, oh. There it is the music he's worked uh, his way into the middle of a segment it's beauty it's music to my ears quite literally um so this idea that 
personally, I've probably been spreading as well as, as other people in the media that election years always breed uncertainty, right? That the market can't handle uncertainty. And he, you know, as he so often does, points out data, numbers, statistics, facts, things like that, that can kind of get in the way of a false argument. And it turns out <clears throat> that election years historically, when you're changing, when you don't have an incumbent coming back, they're no more volatile than any other year. Um, I don't know about that. The last time that happened was, oh, 2008. Sorry. Okay. Now, what I meant to point, say was, oh, yeah. <laughs> and his point, of course, and I guess I would take a little bit of a counterpoint, but not that strong because this is Barry after all. Right. Um, you know, his point is, okay, 08 was a really bad one. Really, you know, that, but that skews the rest right. of them. Okay. So if you look at the other, I don't remember how many data points there were, you know, eight or 10 different data points, 08 really skews the numbers in, in the rest of them. And on average, I think, uh, an election year, uh, the market's fallen an average of 2.8%. So, okay. uh, but, you know, whether this is an election year and that's freaking you out, um, you know, last time something was freaking people out, you know, in, in a major way, it was sequestration. Yeah, yes. boy, that Remember turned that? out to be a memory blip. And we, it was so oh upsetting to God. so many people. People were freaked out. You remember the fiscal cliff? Yes. Oh my God, I haven't heard that term in nine months. We year. had people come up to us during seminars, and I thought at some point they were they were like sweating, almost crying, and shaking because of the fiscal cliff. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you guys all remember Standard and Poor's downgraded the U.S. credit rating, markets plunged, and what that leads to is people reacting very emotionally. And why do they react emotionally? I mean, we all know we shouldn't, but we're all emotional beings. Why? Because everyone's worried about having enough money, having enough income in retirement. And if you have enough income, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to say, eh, sequestration doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm just going to ride this out there. Yeah. And, <coughs> As I was going to say, um, and at we the think of the break, I thought I'd have the problem. Now you're the one with now, the problem. Yeah. Um, and we really think that's the key to developing your plan. That's where it all has to start is you, you can't just be stuck in this going around in a circle mode of, Hey, I'm going to be in this balanced portfolio, 60, 40 stocks and bonds. I, I think it should be fine for me. You've got to have a definite plan spelled out. How am I going to produce income? How am I going to produce growth? How am I going to preserve capital? And we look at those things as three distinct different types of investments. And when you look at those, when you do this, you might not be a scientist, you might not be an engineer or an analytic, but you need to have a specific reason and data behind each, each aspect of your plan. You need to know that that is grounded in very solid reasoning. Right. And who falls into this category? What Steve just described, who needs this planning, a non-bias toward product. You know, unfortunately, you're going to hear about various investment products. You're going to hear some articles and radio shows that just go overboard promoting one element, just like retirement income. Yeah, you need to have it. <laughs> you can't go overboard worrying about it or else you don't have a balanced Scenario that Steve just described. On the other hand, if you don't, if you're relying just on Social Security, you need to have retirement income. You can't ignore it. 
And that's where you see a lot of advisors either ignoring retirement income or going overboard emotionally on it and putting too much of your portfolio in instruments towards that. How do you balance all this? This is what we do and talk about. Retirement strategies for people over 55. That is our seminar. It's Tuesday, June 14th at Clyde's in Tyson's Corner or Wednesday, June 15th at Normandy Farm Restaurant in Potomac, Maryland. As always, our dinner and seminar are completely free of charge. Starts at 6.30, but you do have to register. Two ways. One's the phone line, 888-582-4582. The other is the website, planforlifenow.com. 888-582-4582 or planforlifenow.com. Again, it's retirement strategies for people over 55. Tuesday, June 14th, Clyde's and Tyson's. Or Wednesday the 15th at Normandy Farm in Potomac. 888-582-4582 to register or planforlifenow.com. 888-582-4582 or planforlifenow.com. We'll be right back. Plan for Life Now with Dave Murray and Steve Kiliani. All right, we're back. Steve was, uh, has a story. These, well, these stories upset me because if you do our job, you know more than anything. And if you have one, and I'm talking about a pension, you know how important they are in a financial plan. Those of you who have it, that's a, that's a fortunate blessing. But these pension funds are stressed, and you had a story about... Yeah, and I mean, it's no surprise as to why they're stressed, um, everybody knows that you know interest rates are incredibly low right now, and returns on stock investments, things like that, have been lower than expectations over the last 15 years. So a lot of these pension funds that were assuming you know safe returns of five or six or whatever percent, they haven't come even close to that. Um, so one of the nation's largest private pension funds, which is the Central States Pension Fund, um, which as you probably imagine from the name, serves a lot of the central states or the Midwest there. Um, They are in really dire situation. Uh, They don't have enough money, and they are going to completely run out of money within the next 10 years. Now, they have already cut people's pension benefits. And if we even just take a step back from this for a second, when you think about putting together your financial plan, One of the very first things that you look at is to say, when I retire at age, whatever, 65, I will have Social Security. It'll be X number of dollars. I will have my pension. It'll be this much. Then you go from there saying, okay, I'm going to have my investments. They could do well. They could do poorly. But the assumption in there is always that those pensions and Social Security incomes yeah, they're pretty rock solid. Right? Don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about the pension income. Well, unfortunately for a lot of these people, they are going to have to worry about that because it's either going to result in drastic cuts in their pension or uh, you know, higher rates for new people, which is going to mean less money overall. It's it's not a wow. good situation. No. Now, I don't want to incite fear cuz I don't think this affects probably most of the people listening, um, federal government employees. <coughs> I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about that. But we always stress with people, 
that if you have a pension from a private company, even a state government, or let's get into a separate issue, Social Security, it's certainly possible that you could see cuts to your pension in the future, right? And people will say, well, how do we deal with that? What's the strategy to deal with that? Hey, I'd love to have a really fancy, great strategy. The strategy is to have more of a cushion, right? You need to plan for 8000 a month, and you can make that just work. Well, maybe we plan for 9000 so you have a cushion in there. And that's the strategy, frankly, to deal with a lot of unexpected things. I mean, having your pension cut, that's a big unexpected. Maybe one that really would impact a lot of the federal employees will be health care costs going up significantly. Right. Right. That How one seems de- like that's one that's going to be hard to avoid. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Well, you deal with that by having right. more of a cushion and sure, income. Because what is health care cost for many people? It's the premium they're paying yeah. for their health insurance. Exactly. That's the cost. And that As means- that goes up, that's a monthly charge. And you look at monthly income being so incredibly important. That's why health care costs going up means to you higher premiums far in the future. And that's, in essence, a cut in your pension. And then most people, you're right, Social Security is the thing that they should be worried about, or we all should be worried about having cut. But what's going to happen to it? Well, at some point, there's going to be amendments to it, you would guess, that are not going to be more money for you. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, you know, you look at someone, if I were to look at a politician who gets it when it comes to this, It would be like Paul Ryan, who's into, hey, you know, there's just not enough money here, so we really got a plan for it. A lot of his things would never get passed because Mm -hmm. it would require sacrifice now. Sure. Sacrifice now. Hey, two words the American public, not huge fans of. Right. And some people, I'm a huge fan of it. No, you're a huge fan of it when someone else is sacrificing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Once you can make sure that you're okay, yeah, sure, sacrifice now. Yeah. Perfect example is Obamacare. Some people say, hey, my premiums are pretty low on Obamacare. It's good that we're sacrificing. You and I are like, hey, you know what? The sacrificing now thing, Hmm. painful. Yes. Real painful. So it all depends. So when you look at that on the grand scale of Social Security, I don't know if that kind of sacrifice will happen, be passed politically, which means we have to, again, it all boils down to the same thing. You better, we better plan for retirement income to be a little higher. Right. You know, than we would have before. Once again, one of the things we talk about in what we think is a super important seminar for some of you, retirement strategies for people over 55. So if you're just over 35, this is as important. If you're 54, you can still come. (laughs) But as you're getting closer to retirement, you need to do the planning that, that requires your money lasting the rest of your life. And it's not simple and it requires time for this plan to work. So it's not something you do, you know, if you could avoid it the moment you retire. Right. So I mean, sometimes you have to, and that's what we do, but ideally it's ahead of time. Retirement strategies for people over 55 is Tuesday, June 14th at Clyde's and Tyson's, Wednesday the 15th, Normandy Farm in Potomac. Two ways to sign up. Register on the phone line, 888-582-4582, or our website, planforlifenow.com, 888-582-4582, or go to our website, planforlifenow.com. We'll do our news and traffic. We'll be right back. Plan for Life Now with Dave Murray and Steve Kiliani. Welcome back to the show. I just want to quickly, oh, happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Oh, yeah. No work tomorrow. Got to like that. Excellent. 
No complaints. Um, our seminars coming up are in the middle of June, Retirement Strategies for People Over 55. The middle of June is only two weeks away. It's Tuesday, June 14th at Clyde's and Tyson's or Wednesday the 15th at Normandy Farm Restaurant in Potomac, Maryland. Really, these seminars, who should, if I were to say pinpoint people who should really come to this talk, you're, you're closer to retirement. If you were to say, Dave, what's the perfect person to come to the talk? Well, you're close to retirement. You can, you have 401ks from other jobs or you can, you're 59 and a half or older, you can roll over any 401k you might have. You probably have other IRAs and other retirement assets. You have no pension or very little pension. So you're relying on social security. So one of the things you have to deal with is choosing, hey, 66, 70, when, sometime in between, when am I going to get social security? The longer I wait, the more I get, obviously, each year. But also, I got to create income out of this money. At some point, this money has to be there for that monthly expense we talked about in the last break. But I also need liquidity. I need other money that's not just for income. How do I do all this planning? What are my choices? How do I put it together? What's the the concepts and the philosophy about this? And then what about some of the, the nitty-gritty details? That's this talk, Retirement Strategies for People Over 55. Again, if you'd like to come, go to the phone line, 888 or just go to our website. What a wonderful place to find out what we're doing and about us. Planforlifenow.com. Hey, you know what? I think Rodney Brooks is coming up. I like Rodney Brooks' yeah. articles, or at least they pertain completely to what we do. You could see him on, I guess, every other Sunday. I don't know. I don't read it every Sunday. But he's in the Washington Post Sunday business section a lot. And I thought the article he had last Sunday, because that's when I start to look at it, was good about or interesting i didn't agree with everything about choosing a financial planner yeah and and if you go back the the title of the article was good references are key in the search for a financial advisor and basically the question posed is how do you find a financial advisor you know let's say you are 55 60 years old or whatever your age is and you're trying to figure out you know how do i find an advisor what are the good avenues to go through so first of all, what he proposes, what he says is ask for referrals or ask friends and family and things like that. Hey, do you have an advisor? Do you like that advisor? Would you recommend that advisor? And I think that's a decent place to start. Right. <clears throat> I would always throw in there that you, and he points this out as well, is that you've got to make sure, you know, maybe you're asking your parents for uh, their advisor. Well, if your parents are 65 and you're 35, maybe that's not the right advisor for you. Right. You know, because they're a different age, different situation, all that kind of right. stuff. Also, maybe that advisor might be older. It might be older as well. And they're not like a spring chicken like me, right. 54, but more importantly like you, 36. <laughs> Well, and that, that was a point I was going to make a little later is sometimes people will hire friends, people in their same social circle, whatever, as a financial advisor. And it, that can be problematic when that advisor goes to retire. And we've heard this. I mean, we hear this probably once a month. Hey, my financial advisor retired, really liked him, had a great relationship for however many years, and now... They stuck me with so-and-so. And I'm not so sure about so-and-so. We don't have any relationship. We, they don't know me. 
Maybe they're okay, but I'm not sure. And that just kind of leaves people in an awkward situation of, now I've got to find somebody else. So, yeah, we certainly think that having an advisor that's on the younger side who can be there with you throughout retirement, that makes a lot of sense. But let's get back to his core issues here of, you know, how do you pick that planner? Um, you know, he certainly says, you know, word of mouth is important. Talk to tennis partners, talk to colleagues at work. <coughs> oh, excuse me today. Um, one important point that I think he makes in here is th- to interview multiple advisors. Um, and you know, people say, well, wait, you guys are recommending that you interview multiple but- people. Aren't you just going to say, Hey, just talk to us and have that be the end of it. You need to, when you're picking an advisor, it's got to be a good fit for you, and it's got to be a good fit with the advisor as well. Because if you go in there and you want somebody who's day trading your portfolio and going to get in the market and out of the market, well, that's a very different type of advisor or broker or whatever than someone who's going to put together a long-term plan, help you set these goals and achieve them and all that. Right. And if you have this mismatch between what you're looking for and what the advisor really does, that that doesn't make sense for anybody. Right. And advisors basically have, I mean, just going off on the point you just made, two different philosophies depends on who you're working with. One is a, a philosophy that basically says, you know what, over a long period of time, I can look at investments that I'm putting you in, look at various trends, statistics, how these investments have done, and tell you over a long period of time, I feel very confident in what we can do. By long, I mean 10 years right? to 50. Now, other advisors uh, are like, hey, you know what? I'm good at, I see this sector, that sector, this thing, that thing. We're going to do this now. We can move into this six months from now. I might see something and change it now, here, there. Right. To us, that, to Steve and I, that's a very short-term way of looking things. We don't believe in it personally, but that doesn't mean others don't passionately believe in it. Sure. So ultimately, what do you believe in? Right. So you have to start to, you need to understand the temperament of your advisor. Does it match your temperament? Does it match your basic feeling right. on things? And and that is, that's always going to be, you know, that's something I would be checking out. All right. So that's good. So now you we're telling you, I think you should interview a couple different advisors. Um, and that's what the article, uh, once again, this was the article by Rodney Brooks in the post last week that was titled Good References Are Key in the Search for a Financial Advisor. Um, he, here's another thing that he recommends in here, um, which I think everyone should do, is go to FINRA's website. And if you don't know what FINRA is, that is the regulatory body for our industry. Uh, and they've got a section in there called Broker Check. And you can basically go in there and see if if the person you're talking to has ever had any complaints filed against them. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you rule them out, but maybe that's something you discussed with the, the advisor. Hey, I saw you had a complaint back in 2006. What was that all about? You know, can you tell me about it? Um, obviously, if they've got a bunch of complaints on there, that might raise right. a red flag. Um Another thing that that we recommend and we always provide for people is, hey, can you give me some of your current clients that I could talk to? Can right. I, can I call and up? And it's amazing how how few <coughs> potential clients ask, actually do it. Ask for that. Well, you ask for it and fewer still actually do it. Right. 
But here's the thing is some people say, well, it's not even worth my time because what advisor is going to give me a list of people that hate them or frankly, or even lukewarm about them? If they're going to put them on a list, they're going to give them, you know, somebody who really likes that advisor. And that's true. That, that is true. But you can talk with them just to find out how do Dave and Steve or whoever you're talking to, how do they interact with you? Uh, are they proactive about setting up meetings? Are they just, you know, meet you once and then it's done. I'll see you five years later. Right. Are they, which leads to one of the things I'd ask for if I was looking for, uh, you know, references or something. If I were a potential client of a firm, I only want to talk to people you've like worked with three years or longer. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because that way I get an idea of how you've dealt with these people over a long period of time. Remember, everybody's fine in the first three or six months. It's the honeymoon period, right? Right. So that's That's something I would be like. Here's another thing. I I forgot if this was in the article. Oh, no, I know it wasn't because this would just be our own bias. (laughs) But if it's me personally, um, I'm looking for someone who works with an independent broker dealer. Yeah. Not someone who does it. So an independent broker dealer is, how do you describe uh, I don't want to mention particulars. We're not supposed to. And I'm not looking to tell you to go to ours or a particular one in this type right. of advice. But Well, the, the whole idea behind an independent broker dealer means that your advisor, they work through this broker dealer, but the broker dealer does not manufacture any products they don't have their own mutual funds cds annuities stocks bonds whatever that they want you to sell right versus if you go to a certain bank or you go to a certain wirehouse when you meet with those people some of them are good advisors some of them are not they are employees of that bank or wirehouse and what is an employee going to sell Exactly what their boss tells them to sell. Right. right? And there's and versus there, go ahead. an independent advisor. And I'm not saying that, in, you know, oh, it's independent. Everything is, uh, you know, perfect advice, but it's a good place to start with an independent advisor. They now have the freedom and flexibility to say, what do I think is the best investment out there? What do I think is the best product for this situation? That's a good starting point. And that, at the very least, is where I would start if you're talking with an advisor. Okay, so this, that was a good checklist. You know, it sounds so egotistical to say that was a good segment. I thought that was a good segment. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. Because I think we, we laid out the case there with the help of Rodney Brooks of, of what you should be looking for, <laughs> looking for this important decision of a financial advisor. The only thing we throw in is... We're lucky enough to be able to say, hey, if you want to check us out, why don't you come to our seminar first? You don't have to. You just check us out by going to our website or calling our phone number and, and you know, setting up something. But it's great to meet us. It's great to see what our philosophy is before you pull the trigger and even say, I'd like you guys to follow up. If you do, if we do follow up from a seminar or anything, you're working with me, Dave Murray, and Steve, there's Steve Kiliani. So you're working with the same guys who are on the radio show. But our seminar is Retirement Strategies. For people over 55, it's Tuesday, June 14th at Clyde's Restaurant in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, or Wednesday, June 15th at Normandy Farm Restaurant in Potomac, Maryland. We do a dinner and talk. Starts Both start at the same time at about 6.30, 6.35, completely free of charge, but you do have to register. So to do that, one way is to go to our phone line, 888-582-4582. The 24-hour plan for life now hotline is 888 888- 5824582 or 
Simply go to our website and register there, planforlifenow.com. 888-582-4582 or planforlifenow.com. Again, it's Tuesday, June 14th, Clyde's and Tyson's, Wednesday the 15th, Normandy Farm in Potomac. 888-582-4582 to register or planforlifenow.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Plan for Life Now. 105.9 105.9 FM and AM 630 WMAL. Welcome back to our show. You know, one of the fun things about being on radio is trying to stir up a controversy or some sort of uh, conspiracy theory with no evidence. Okay. And that's what I think we'll do right now. All and right. this is the toolbox analogy conspiracy theory. This is my favorite analogy. And those of you who've been listening to this show for years and years know that I will go to this well again and again with the analogy of your overall financial plan being a toolbox, or, or I should say the vehicles with which you can use to, I got to start this over because this is just getting confusing. What I'm talking about is the toolbox analogy being you have different financial instruments that you can use to solve certain goals in your financial plan. So if you need growth, stocks obviously fit in that. If you need income, we could talk about annuities and bonds and things like that. If you need protection, life insurance, long-term care. So I've used this toolbox analogy for many years, and I think it's a good one. I'm not going to claim to be the only person out there uses it. But on these airways, I've certainly used it for a long yes, time. years. And you heard, I did, yep. you heard driving around another show. Yeah. Not going to say if it's on this station or not. Hey, imitation heard, is the sincerest form right, of flattery. You heard right? the exact toolbox analogy that you use. Pretty darn similar. On another program. Yeah. Now, what does this all mean? A, nothing. No, not because really. one thing you're allowed to do in radio or comedy is steal jokes <laughs> and or toolbox analogies. I think it's a little so, more frowned on in comedy. You know, not, comedy. It's not frowned on at all. People steal all the time in yeah. comedy, in stand-up comedy. But but again, I'm just as, I will tell you what I feel because you told me more about what you heard. I will tell you one thing about the toolbox analogy. It's one thing you have to talk the talk and walk the walk. Mm-hmm. With the toolbox analogy, we basically say don't be biased the product, right? Whether it's mutual funds, ETFs, stocks, bonds, annuities, long-term care insurance, whatever you might need that's out there in the investment insurance world. How do you take what's in this big toolbox and apply it exactly to your situation? But you also, when you do the toolbox analogy, in, under the rules, toolbox analogy rule three B one. You must walk the walk. You must actually have and practice with clients doing that, not just saying, okay, I have this one tool and it applies to everybody, right? and I'll also give lip service to the other tools. No, some cases may only be a portfolio of stocks and bonds. That could be the remedy for one case. One case, the only remedy might be long-term care insurance. The rest of your plan looks good. Another case might be everything. 
based on what you're doing here, we're putting together this ETF portfolio. We're putting together a long-term care plan. We're putting together some annuity work with you because that's what your case requires. Mm -hmm. That requires a discipline and a lack of bias for the rest of your radio program. So when you use our toolbox analogy and you break rule 2B1, <laughs> then we're not so happy. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you you have to be able to understand all those different products that Dave talked about for two reasons. Reason number one is the client might need that to solve a particular issue. So they come in, they don't have long-term care insurance. You've got to be able to help them solve that. You can't just pay lip service to, hey, you kind of need long-term care. I don't know how to do it. Reason number two, and I think this one gets overlooked, what about the client that walks in your door and they already have an investment product, a financial product, an insurance product, and you're not getting rid of it. You've got to analyze it. You've got to understand it. You've got to know how that fits in their plan because it's not going anywhere. It's still going to be in their plan. And that's really why, um, to take this discussion even larger, why we don't think that a big cookie-cutter approach, a mass marketing type of approach really works well in this type of planning. Because everybody's coming in with different situations. Everybody's got financial baggage and different products and things they have. Some are good, some are not good. You can't just cookie-cutter, cram it all into one spot. Right. And magnified is the people that we want to deal with. Their financial planning is magnified. The need to do it correctly is magnified. Retirement strategies for people over 55. That is our talk. Tuesday, June 14th at Clyde's and Tyson's Corner. Wednesday, June 15th at Normandy Farm Restaurant in Potomac, Maryland. We do a dinner and talk that starts at 630. It's completely free of charge. But you have to register. One way is on the phone line, 888-582-4582. And the other is our website, planforlifenow.com. Again, it's retirement strategies for people over 55. People closer to retirement need to put together a plan that makes sense, that makes sure you, to the best of our ability anyway, you have enough money to rest, last the rest of your life. But how do you do that? That's what we teach. 888-582-4582 to register. Or planforlifenow.com, Tuesday the 14th, Clyde's and Tyson's, Wednesday the 15th, Normandy Farm in Potomac, Maryland, 888-582-4582, or planforlifenow.com, 888-582-4582, or go to our website, planforlifenow.com. We're out of time. See you next Sunday. Sunday.